Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone. You are with All Things Evangelism podcast, Why Evangelism Doesn't Work series. And we're here doing episode number eight entitled Conviction. Yeah. So it's my belief that not understanding how the Holy Spirit brings people under conviction that limits us from succeeding to the degree we would like to succeed in evangelism. So I brought mm. my good friend and work colleague, Boris Jovanov, into the office today to discuss the subject of conviction. Now, Boris, the Bible says in John 16 and verse 8 that he, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convince the world or convict, convict the, world the world of sin, righteousness, and judge. judgment. So we say all the time in the church, we don't bring people to conviction. We don't convict people, but the Holy Spirit convicts people, right? Yes. Is that true? Yes or no? Of course it's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you think that we as a people, we as a church, in our evangelistic efforts, are really good at working in partnership with the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says the Holy no. Spirit is bringing people to conviction. Of course. So we don't have to bring people to conviction. The Holy Spirit brings people to conviction of their sins, of the righteousness of God, and of the judgment that's to come. But uh, if the Holy Spirit's doing that, why don't we see greater effect in our outreach ministry? We're talking about conviction and why the evangelism doesn't work to our satisfaction. What do you think? Any thoughts? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts that just come to mind real quick when you're saying that. So the Holy Spirit convicts just like it's the Holy Spirit that converts. But the Bible doesn't say, ah, I've got to be careful how I word this. Okay, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, gave the Great Commission. Don't think too much, just say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what I tell my wife all the time. Don't think, just speak. No, I don't tell her that. Sorry. <laughs> I, what I tell Sharice is I say to my wife, don't think, just do. And then she says to me, don't do, just think. And that just tells you what kind of people we are. It's going to tell you, don't no, think, just do. So, so Jesus gave the commission, right? To go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing yep. them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right? Yes. He told that to people. This wasn't him commissioning the spirit. Mm -hmm. He was commissioning people. Yet at the same time, who can you convert? People. No one. Oh, right. Gotcha. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Like, I thought you meant who can be converted out there in the world. Yeah, no one. Yeah. No, but like, you know, where, where, can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopardy spots? No. Can you then be evil? Right. So that if we can't change ourselves or convert ourselves. Right. How on earth are we going to convert fellow man? Yet Jesus told people to go make disciples, to go make disciples and baptize them, be a part of their conversion process. Right. So work together with the Holy Spirit. That's it. To bring people to life. If we know that the Spirit does this, but we're told that we need to do it, well, that must mean then we're doing it in conjunction with the Spirit. Right. You, you follow? We're partners with the Holy Ghost. We're partners with the Holy Ghost. So if the Holy Spirit is convicting this world just like in the conversion process we need each other that's the way god set it up he could have set it up differently for angels to do our work but he didn't he set that portion of the work for us so just like in conversion if the spirit's just convicting people but his body is not active and in inviting them and baptizing them etc you can't baptize yourself right Likewise, if you're out there preaching, teaching, trying to make disciples absent of the spirit, no conversion can take place, right? right. So the spirit is limited. I know that's a difficult thing to say, but it, it's true that the, the spirit is limited without the physical. 
So like the physical is limited without the spiritual. And by, 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 by that, I'm not saying God is limited. What I'm saying is that, well, the reason God's not limited is because he set up his body on earth. Mm-hmm. Right. And that has a physical role to play in this in this journey for people. It's interesting because in Acts chapter two or sorry, Acts chapter one, Jesus says you will receive power. Is it verse nine or verse eight? One of the two. You will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Yeah, verse and you'll nine. be my witnesses in all in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the uttermost parts of the yes. world. And so the church receives the Holy Ghost. Yet at the same time, the Holy Spirit is convicting the world. Yes. So the Spirit of God is supposed to come into our church. Yes. Compel us and move us forward to worship that God has commissioned us yes. to accomplish. And uh, then and then we're now, so it's almost like the Spirit's driving us to preach the gospel and to make disciples while He's convincing people around us and convicting people of sin, yes. righteousness, and judgment. Yes. So it's like the Spirit of God's coming from two directions. 100%. Working inside of the 100%. lost and, and working and, inside of the saved. Yes. And trying to create new life. Yes. Yeah. And, and with conviction, I guess the question needs to be had before we get into this. What's conviction? Yeah. How's that manifest? Are you asking me or are you just yeah, I'm saying asking, this rhetorically? Asking. No, I'm asking uh, you. What is conviction? It's it's when a person begins to see themselves as they are. That's the generic and general way. So if I'm convicted, it's when I become aware of my wrongs, my faults, my failings, my sins. Or when the Spirit of God brings me to... Because uh, it says the Holy Spirit will come to convict, convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So my mind is being opened by God to my sins to righteousness and to judgment. That's what I would say. So I've heard someone say that the Holy Spirit is like a physician. So you go to the physician and he makes a diagnosis after an evaluation. And so the Holy Spirit's diagnosis to a person is sin. And then the doctor prescribes a a solution, righteousness. And then the doctor tells you what's gonna happen to you if you don't take the prescribed medication, judgment. So the Holy Spirit convinces of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He brings you into the awareness of your sins the need for righteousness and the consequence. So I see it pretty much the same, but I word it kind of differently. Yeah. With that passage in John 16, where the Spirit comes and convicts the word of sin, righteousness, and judgment, maybe it's oversimplification, but the way I teach this passage is that the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts you of what's wrong, sin, yeah, what's, what's right. right, and which one to choose. Oh, that's good. Judgment. Yeah. You follow? So there's the understanding part, which you talked about, where the Holy Spirit reveals. But it's not just revealing. There is this sense that the Holy Spirit gives you of which one to choose, but not just which one. It's not just intellectual. I find when conviction sets in into my own life and to the lives of those around you, it's not just with the which one to choose, but with the desire to make right judgment. You follow? Yep. There are many things that I know that I'm not convicted about. But being convicted about him is your conscience not is being absent awakened. of knowledge. Yeah. But that con- my conscience is being awakened, and there is a desire to follow. But that desire is often accompanied with the desire not to, right? And a real battle takes place in the heart. Yeah. Do you want to throw? Th- yeah, you yeah. still on the line of thinking? I was I just. Wanna, I, I was to- just gonna. I don't know where you're leading up, but I was just gonna tailcoat that with. Yes, there is knowledge, there's illumination, and there's desire. But the knowledge of that and the desire of it often is not enough for people to submit to it. And I see this is where the body of Christ and we... We help out. We help out. And, and that's we where assist. I myself was helped out. We work in partnership with the Spirit. You know, it's, it's yes. funny because... So, 
We're, our podcast is All Things Evangelism. This is a series called Why Evangelism Doesn't Work, and our topic is conviction. I would say that it's imperative that we learn how to work with people who are under the convicting influence of the Holy Spirit. I would say that if that's we, primarily all we should work with. That's right. And if we can't understand conviction, then we don't need, know how to work for people's salvation. We're, we're, it's almost like we're clueless. So I'll give you an example of this. So in the Bible, there's various manifestations of conviction that we see. The Holy Spirit's working on people and they react in different ways. If I'm unfamiliar with how people might react to the convicting power of the Spirit, I won't know when people are under conviction. Yes. And therefore, I'm not equipped to help them make sense out of what they're going through. It's like a parent. I got kids. One of the ways I'm able to help my kids to navigate their way through adolescence is because I've been there before and I understand what they're struggling with. And so I can coach them through what they're going through. And it's the same with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I think maybe, too, this is something that I'm going to be a little bit edgy here. But maybe we don't know how to help other people who are under conviction of the Spirit because we don't ourselves... Well, because too many of us have never been convicted by the Spirit either. So we don't know what people, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's very just, possible. If I'm just a dead religionist, and this is not an insult to anyone, I'm making, not accusing anybody, but if we as a church organization are dead and not responding to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, how in the world are we going to help people through uh, conversion who are being convicted by the Holy Spirit and led to new life in Christ? And so yeah. it's imperative that I am acquainted with the Holy Ghost and yes. surrendering myself to the convicting power of and the Holy Ghost. And acquainted so with what it looks like when the Holy Ghost is working in someone's in life. someone's life, That's So right. Jesus likened the Holy Spirit to the wind, right? Yeah. And it, can you see where the wind's coming, where it's going? No, but can you see the, the leaves blowing? You, can you see the effects? The yes. So when you see the effects of the tree, you know the, the Spirit is, is present. Yeah. You it's know like the a, wind's blowing. So just like what we need to see the effects, and this is kind of, I think, something that's really important in this, what I was trying to get at with where we work in conjunction with the Spirit. We work in conjunction in the Spirit, and yes, God needs us, the Spirit needs us, we need Him more, right? It's not unfair to say God needs us, because well, it's very clear that He does, that's how we set it up. But we need Him more, yeah? In that light, We work in conjunction with the Spirit as followers of the Spirit, not as ones leading the Spirit, right? Mm. Our job is to follow God and work where God is working, not to sit down and plan out where God will work next. We're followers of the Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit is convicting the world and we're told to go make disciples of the world, well, which ones should we be working with? The ones that the Spirit is working with, right? right. That's why we're told. responding to the Holy Ghost. We're told to search for those that are wistfully looking toward heaven, yep. right? And I think that this is a big reason why evangelism doesn't work. And that is that we feel that we have to make every individual on earth a convert. Right. We're seeking for seekers. We're not seeking... We're not seeking for everyone to be responding for the Holy Ghost. Because not everyone is going to respond positively. We're seeking for those that the Spirit is convicting. Yeah. You, you follow? Well, the Bible says he convicts the world of sin, yes. righteousness, and judgment. So he's out there convicting to a degree everyone. But not yes, but there is a response the That's right. factor, right? right. There is an openness to yeah. the Spirit. Yes. And so I think that we're going to be greatly limited if we're trying to win the world to Christ absent of seeing who's responding to conviction. You follow? Yep. When you find someone... 
Okay, I say this all the time. So you know when you like start doing Bible studies and it's your first time? I don't know if you did this, but if this resonates with you, let me know. So it's your first Bible study contact that you have, right? Yeah. And you've been thinking about this prior to it happening, right? Did you in your brain go through this kind of imagination of what it will look like to study with someone? No, I was just terrified. You were just terrified? Just terrified and studied my head off. But why were you terrified? Because I'd never done it before and I was freaking out. Freaking out about... I would look like a retard. I have nothing meaningful to share. Okay, so a part of that is that there is this kind of idea of how that's going to go and that kind of... Or how it could go. The point for me, I always thought like I have to fight... Like I have to fight and win someone into the baptism. I have to win someone into win, so came winning Christ. Resistance. I came in terrified and I came in so scared and crazy preparing just like you because I, I thought that it's really hard to win someone. I think I thought like I have to convince them and I have to change their mind. I have to answer all their arguments. Da, 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 da. And I started with someone was was ready for a Baptist scholar. And my first Bible study, like the person just was not receptive, not wanting to know this. And we're like, it turns into this argument, man. And I'm trying to fully just argue his way, uh, argue my way into him coming to Christ. Fully and just like corner him to see that this is what scripture says, like submit to scripture. And he didn't. And like, I think my first 10 Bible studies or so, it was just like arguments, arguments. And so in my brain, man, like doesn't matter what I'm studying. I'm like looking at, okay, what are the arguments against this? How am I going to answer it? And finally I had this like Bible study, this lady, and I went there and I shared the Bible study. And I was like, do you have any questions? And like, I'm just ready for a fight. And she's like, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, anything keeping you from accepting this? Like, no, no, definitely. I'm. I'm committed to making sure that the Bible is my one authority. Okay, well, let's let's pray. Next week come, same thing. Next week, I'm like, oh, we're coming up to State of the Dead. Oh, I know this is going to be a fight. You know, I'm all prepared. I share the passages. She starts crying. And I'm like, I don't know. I've never been in this situation, right? Heard Louis share stories about people crying. I'm like, oh, she must be convicted. (laughs) I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I just feel so free. Oh, this is so wonderful. This is the one most wonderful. New- like we studied about yeah. death, bro. We studied death. And she's like, this is the most wonderful thing I've heard. All right. A few studies later, Sabbath. She, like, I know she works on Sabbath. I'm ready for a fight. Just go. I share the verses with her. I'm fully ready for an argument. All right. I'll quit my job. Like, what? What? Go through the whole thing. And the whole thing literally just felt like this seems too easy. Like, like yeah. compared to how my brain thought it would be, you know? And then my next baptism, next... And then I just started seeing, I was like, whoa. Nearly every person that I've been a, allowed the privilege to be a part of their journey, it all just felt like, huh, I don't... I'm not really playing a very important role here. Like, you, you know, like in my brain, it kind of just felt like, oh. Yeah. Like, you know, I kind of you had thought this, there was more that you had to do than there was. And, and I realized that the reason there was so much to do is because I was trying to work where the spirit was not active. And I was trying to work where someone wasn't responding to God. And so I'm not trying to just show them what God wants. And they're not at a place where they just wanted to follow God. But rather, I'm trying to show them new information and convince them to follow God. Well, and did you even have the ability to distinguish between the two? Maybe no, not at that time. No, you no. didn't. And see, this is the nature of getting involved in outreach ministry is that you're going to have to face 
your ignorance and you're going to find as you get involved in outreach ministry on any level that you're just totally a learner and yeah. you're going to make mistake after mistake and then go, oh, I see things differently now. And now you'll avoid that mistake. I think that when you first start giving Bible studies, you have no ability of whatsoever of recognizing the moving of the spirit. But you can prayerfully learn. You can, you can prayerfully, you know, discover uh, how the Holy Spirit works and how to recognize and see the person. So I want to talk real quick, man, about the, the different indications in Scripture that we see that alert us to the fact that the Holy Ghost is at work. Yeah. So are there any times that just jump to mind? Because you mentioned the Holy Spirit statement of Jesus in John 3, that the, the Spirit moves where it wants to, mm-hmm. and you can you can see its effects, but you can't tell where it's going and, and where it comes from. So yep. is everyone who's born of the Spirit. This helps us to know that the effects of the Spirit's work are seen, even though the Spirit's not seen. So what are the effects that we see in Scripture of the Holy Spirit working on people, individuals? Is there any occasions that pop to your mind? Just ran, just shoot them out. We don't have to comment on them. Just yeah, shoot yeah. out. Well, look. They, Where's they, indications in the Bible of the Holy Ghost working on people? And then we can label those, like as anger or what? what is it that we're seeing manifest? Yeah, okay. Well, like, I think you have, obviously, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, where they're walking they're on the road to, the to Emmaus. And it says that they were, they, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Um, wait, wait, Acts 2, road to Emmaus, you just... Oh, you're saying... Oh, sorry, not, not road to Emmaus. Um, Acts 2, Acts 2 preaching at Pentecost. Peter preaches, the they're cut to the heart. Yeah. And then they say, what should we do to be saved? Yeah. So Peter's preaching. Right. And they're like, what should we do to be saved? This is our first indication, right? That they're cut to the heart. They're convicted. And their response is, what can we do? They want to do something about this information. They're eager to implement what this information is. You, You follow? Totally. In Acts chapter 8, uh, you see the Holy Spirit at work. And it says there seven that people are eight, seven. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Acts chapter 7, Stephen's preaching to the Jewish establishment. And the Bible says they were cut to the heart. But their response is very different than yeah. the people in Acts chapter 2. 100%. They gnash on him with their teeth. They're angry. I've always wondered what that means. Like they gnash. They're just so furious. And does that mean that they just start to just spit vitriolic statements of hatred and animus towards him? Or does it mean that they physically assault him and they're grinding their teeth while they do it? Or does it mean they try to bite the guy because they're rapidly mad? (laughs) Who knows? I I don't know, but we do know it ended up with with his death. But the thing is, the point is the same language here. They cut to the heart, cut to the heart, but completely different response. One is just eagerly waiting to like accept and adapt and apply what they've learned. Whereas these ones are vehemently to oppose it, but they're both cut to the heart. They're both convicted. And I do think that this is somewhere where we do fall into territory of the potential of why we maybe don't see the success that we see. And that is that we see anger as rejection. Or we've we've done something wrong. Or we see anger as, oh, that person's not responding to God, but they are. They're just responding with anger. With anger, yeah. Right? And something that Louis Torres said to me years ago when when we were um, in the States at Mission College, because he's super bold in these situations. Super bold in these situations. We were once in a Bible study, and I don't know if you've ever been in a study with Louis Torres, but for me personally, it's one of the most boring experiences on earth. Like, it's very slow, takes like two minutes, turns to a Bible passage, just puts it. Can you read that for me? They read it. So what do you think that means? Yeah, and he does that little like Louis chuckle, like <laughs> you know, and that he gets the Bible back. Oh, he finds a new pass. Like it's literally just like this. But as the truth is happening, 
And the, the reason why it's so slow is like, I can see Louis actually really intent on just observing responses. You follow? So we're starting with this lady. like a hawk. Like a hawk. And as this lady starts responding, she starts crying and is really like happy. Like just like she broke through and found some peace. Her husband, on the other hand, starts getting really irate. And Louis just kind of stops talking to her so much. And he just started going to him. Like, what's keeping you from accepting this? You know, God's calling. Like, and he just like, and this guy's getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And eventually, it leads to this man crying and then accepting it too. And so we were driving home after this. Time. I'm like, how did you know? Like, how did you know to not take your foot off the throat? How did you know to not take your foot off the throttle? So in the situation where nine out of 10 people would have backed off. I was, I was he, like, we he, need to get out of here, dude. We're just upsetting this home. He, he, he just kept... He just kept affirming the truth that he was communicating and calling him to respond to respond to it, calling him to submit to God, calling and he's getting angry, angry and just, and I was like, how did you know? He said, when the spirit is there working with you, like if the spirit is at work, why should I not be at work? And I was like, that's heavy. That's awesome. Right. Cause that's he understood. It's a very it's brave, very brave. Yeah. It's very brave and risky. Because just like people resist the spirit, they can resist you. But if anger is a sign of the spirit working, like if God sees it fit to be working and calling and convicting in this moment, well, what about we who are followers of the spirit? Yeah. You follow? If we see the spirit is convicting, then we need to be also in that moment, encouraging him about what's right, revealing what's wrong and encouraging him to make the right judgment. Yep. You follow? Totally. Spirits at work, we're at work. And yeah. I find it very uncomfortable. I find it very uncomfortable to try to do that when someone's not having a positive response to the spirit. Yeah. There's an occasion in scripture where a person responds with tears of sorrow when the Holy Spirit convicts them. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 26, you will all, he said to the disciples, you'll all be offended to me this night for the scripture says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee. And then Peter steps up and says, ah, it doesn't matter if everyone forsakes you, I won't forsake you. And Jesus says, hey, listen, Peter, before the cock crows two times, you'll d- deny me three times. No, is that, is that right? Before the cock crows. In one of the gospels, he says yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, twice. In, in Matthew, he just says that before the cock crows, you'll right, deny me three times. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Before the cock crows, you'll yeah. deny me three times. And so when Peter denies, I can't remember whose account it is, he hears the third time, he hears the cock crowing. Yeah, that's in Matthew. And that, that brings him to yeah. the point of conviction because yes. it reminds him of what Jesus said about weeps. himself. And he weeps because he's convicted of sin. And the Bible says he weeps bitterly. Yeah, so, so tears and sorrow can be a sign of conviction. 100%. As, as well as... And has that not been... Have you not experienced this? Oh, I've experienced fully just being I've devastated. A, I heard a preacher say once that there but the is Holy more, Spirit was the one doing yeah, that. I've heard a preacher say there's more, there's there's usually more weeping when the Holy Spirit is around than there is laughter. Oh wow! And I found that to be the case because even if there are tears of joy, yeah, that's true. There's tears because it's like it's a deep and profound yeah, emotion. And, and it's I not think, just like a superficial, yeah. hey, let me laugh. Well, I, you would associate laughter with lightness, right? But the Spirit's not light. Like no, the, it's heavy. The, the, the spirit has a deep impact. Reve- being, being, you know, a person who the spirit is revealing deep internal truth to 
Like that's heavy. That's hard. That's difficult. And so anyway, so guys, so we're, so we're not losing you. I think this is really powerful. Different signs are seen when people are under conviction because different people respond differently to the Holy Ghost. There could be tears, there could be joy, there could be sorrow, there could be angry rejection. And so we have to realize that the Spirit of God is at work. A big one, I gotta mention a big one, a really big one, fear, fear. They're afraid. And that's a real great sign that the Spirit's at work because it means that they've counted the cost. Right. You follow? And it's in these instances, both the positive so we can rejoice in them, but in the challenging responses to the Spirit, there is a really big need for us to be actively used by the Spirit in this time to help people overcome the fear, to overcome the anger, to overcome the doubt, to overcome and to help people rejoice in their acceptance, to rejoice in their peace, to, to, do you know what I mean? And, and it's, for me, it's uncomfortable because I am a guy who likes to be in control. Right. But to work with but the you spirit, can't. you're in control. He's in control. You have to be willing to do what you need to do when it's clear of what's needed. You follow? Yeah. Um, I remember in my church, there's a young guy. He's been coming to our church for years when I arrived and wasn't baptized. And... I asked him, you know, what's keeping you from being baptized? Oh, you know, I just don't, I don't know. I, I think I need more Bible studies. And I was like, okay. So like, how do you think someone's saved? And they gave me the answer. I could see, yeah, that's biblically accurate. What do you think God's will is for marriage? And he answered biblically. It's like, okay. I'm like, how do you understand sin? Like, what do you think sin is? He answered biblically. I was like, okay. All right, what, what about like, what happens when you die? Like, what do you think scripture teaches him? He answered biblically. I was like, okay. And I asked him a series of questions. It comes very clear. He's, he, he's, he's aware of what scripture teaches. I'm like, so, so what makes you think you need more Bible studies? Like Bible studies are for learning. Like, what, what, do you need to, what more do you need to learn before you're willing to accept what you learn? He's thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. He's like, oh, oh look, uni's really busy. And just switches. It's like, oh, I'm really busy. You know, uni's really busy. I'm like, so like, do you think that people who give their life to God can no longer have busy lives? Like, do you think my life's not busy? Well, and there's other people in the room. Do you think they're like, you know, okay, so like, so what's the thing? Why are you keeping? He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Man. I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel ready. I was like, what do you think ready feels like? Oh, well, you know, I feel like, you know, you got to want to do it and, you know, you kind of understand what you're getting into. And he listed some things and I just kind of asked those questions on him again. I was like, okay, so do you want to do it? Yeah. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. I'm like, brother, you describe someone who's ready. And I was like, so what's keeping you? And in the end, he said nothing, right? It's like, all right, well, if you want. We can schedule a day. It's like, yeah, actually, I do want. Me and him talked about this a fair bit afterwards. And this is something that can happen if we're not eager to follow the Spirit. Is that he was really convicted of it a few years ago when he went through these studies for the first time and was learning this. No one called him to a decision. But no one called him to a decision on it while he was convicted on it. And he just got used to being among Adventists 
living like an Adventist without ever associating himself as an Adventist. Right. And so really what kind of in the end just ended up being the reason he's not doing it is that he just got comfortable not following what he was convicted to follow. Yeah. And, and I think that we have in most churches around the world, at least in the West, I think if you walked into most churches, you'd probably find a number of people who have been attending that church for years. Yeah. Pay tithe. Mm-hmm. They're part of the they crew. They feel a part of the family. Yeah. No one sees them as non-church, but no one's baptized them because no one's ever pers- no one's ever worked with the Spirit to call them to that judgment path. Yeah. You follow? No one's encouraged them to make that choice. And the, the thing with conviction, I don't know about you, but in my experience, it doesn't last forever. Well, it's almost like people can build barriers to the Holy Ghost. So in, of course, you know, the Bible says in Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the sons of God, which shows us the spirit of God is inside working, speaking, but people can resist and they can grieve the spirit. They can build up walls to the spirit That's and it. then their ears become dull to the voice of the Holy Ghost and their hearts become harder against the Holy yeah. Spirit over time. Yes, and that's that not only to do sin, it's also to not do good. To not do right, yeah, yeah. to not surrender. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up here, I think it's important everyone to really consider biblically the signs of conviction, the indications of conviction that can be demonstrated as the Holy Ghost is working on a person. Just because a person's angry, just because a person's crying, it doesn't mean they're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But those can be signs of conviction and that the Holy Ghost is really bringing someone to the point of a decision where they're ready to surrender their lives in obedience to Jesus and the salvation that he offers. Um, So I I think if there's a midwife, like if there was a midwife who had a 20-year track record of bringing children into the world, they'd be able to tell you of all kinds of deliveries, violent deliveries, smooth deliveries, Deliveries where the baby was quiet when they came out. Mm-hmm. Deliveries where the baby was still. Deliveries where the baby was freaking out, yelling. You know, all kinds of different deliveries. I think this is similar to the work of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have all kinds of reactions as people are brought into life in Jesus, into born-again experiences, you know. So as a church, we need to become more adept at working with the Spirit, knowing how the Spirit works. And really, Boris, more confident. That the yeah. Holy Ghost is at work. Let me just keep, I mean, this is the last thing I'm going to say. No, in this I podcast. like that. I like that. I'll let that. you wrap it up. We've got to wrap it up because like we're out of time. But check this out. A, a great metaphor. Okay, I'm going to use scripture allegorically. A great metaphor that we see in scripture that shows us Romans 8.16, like working itself out, is Daniel chapter 2. And people don't usually see this when they read Daniel chapter 2. So you've got Daniel the prophet, a person who speaks for God, who's commissioned by God, to make disciples in, in that dispensation. He's before a pagan king who's having a dream. And the dream is a message from God. So God's speaking to that king subliminally. Okay, God's sending a message to that king subliminally through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he's calling people to help him. Like, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What am I dreaming? What's really going on here? And the dream has eternal consequences. Mm-hmm. It has future implications. The Hebrew prophet comes in explains the dream and tells him the interpretation about God's kingdom and it's eternal and it'll never be taken over or destroyed because it's built upon eternal principles. 
And ultimately, Nebuchadnezzar is supposed to be a part of it. So you have the internal witness of the Holy Spirit and the external witness of the prophet. So we are, like Daniel, the external witness, while the Holy Spirit is the internal witness to the truth. And both of those witnesses converge together on a person in their life to bring them to a point of saying, yes, I'll decide. And I think we have to have confidence and, and trust in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is at work. 100%. And we have to be familiar with how the Holy Spirit works. And, and we have to not shirk or be scared when we start to see those rumblings and movings yeah. of, of responses to conviction. Yeah. And I think we'll become more adept at evangelism and more successful in evangelism. But we're so ultra sensitive. You know, as soon as we see any emotion, any feeling, any response on a person's part, other than they just did it because they want to do it or because it was easy for them, we shy away, you know, and I think this is the reason. It'd be like we are as Adventists today. We're like midwives who will only develop a baby that comes out real easy. But we leave the rest to die. Mm. We just leave the rest to die. So why doesn't evangelism work? Well, because we don't know how to work with the Holy Ghost and understand conviction and bring people into life when it's not always easy. That's what I would say. So last words for you, brother. Unless I mean, you don't have any, don't no, no. close right now. I was just going to say, look, scriptures are always, scripture teaches us that God doesn't wish that any perish, but that all come to repentance. So if the spirit is convicting someone, regardless of how that person responds, mm. what is God trying to achieve at that moment? repentance so if you see god at work be a follower of god and get to work mm. like work towards the same thing yeah regardless because these i'm gonna say this when someone responds angry it's not that the spirit made him angry that's just how that person is responding to god's calling him Right. So if in that moment, regardless of whether it's good or difficult or whatever, and look, often it is easy, but there are times where there's resistance. There's resistance because at that time, God's calling them. So at that time, let's help the spirit yep. call them. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us for all things evangelism and why evangelism doesn't work. Episode number eight. Uh, God bless you in your ministry. If you have questions, comments, you need some help and assistance in your outreach ministry, give us a holler. That's what we're here for. God bless.